Welcome to the Breaking Health Podcast, a series of discussions with the most disruptive CEOs and leaders in digital health. Hi, folks. Tom Salami here. Before we get into this episode of the Breaking Health Podcast, I want to remind you that the Digital Health Innovation Summit is happening on December 10th in Boston. Go to dhis.net to register. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to the Breaking Health Podcast. Happy to be here with our host, Steve Krupa. Hey, Steve. How's it going? Great, Tom. How are you? Doing great. Doing great, Steve. I've got three little letters for you. PBMs. Yeah, get me started. You, know? <laughs> you like them, right? Or well, I forget now. No, I don't know. I don't. It really depends on whether you think they're, they're they have responsibility for creating value for people. If you don't, they're just fine. If you do, um, you just have to ask one simple question: Why do we pay so much money for drugs in this country? And uh, and it, it's clear to me that the PBMs are doing a pretty lousy job. If given given the relative expense of pharmaceuticals in the U.S. and the rest of the world. Well, you had a great conversation with Jake Friend <laughs> of Smith RX. <laughs> Changing subject delicately. <laughs> Uh, Listen, I'm not running for office. I don't know if you're aware of this, so you, I can say all kinds of things that are true without any consequences. You know, so I, I want to say I wish you were, but I'm not sure if I'd vote for you or not. No, you would it. not. I think we've <laughs> talked long enough to know. You'd probably, you know, be nice to me about it, but uh, you, I don't know if you'd vote for me. Uh, we'd, we'd see. There's the, the choices out there are interesting, so you certainly would be in the in the top three. Well, I'll yeah. give you that. You know, in that field, I think I do just fine. <laughs> anyway, Jake Friends of Smith RX, uh, he's got a solution for all of this, at least something that that might help a bit. Help a bit. Uh, what did you? What was your takeaway from uh, Smith RX? Well, I, I think he's trying. I think he's working. You know, within the within a lot of the constraints that uh, that are upon us here in terms of how we can imp- improve the cost of pharmaceuticals. But <clears throat> I mean, really, that I, I just want to just say that getting pharmaceutical costs down to a reasonable amount and making it efficient for people to get their drugs is so much about what the healthcare system is lacking. Um, you know, we know that the, that a lot of the uh, drug usage is, is chronic disease oriented, which means you want people taking the medications or they're going to get sick or they're going to have an event. And getting the cost of those medicines down to, to an amount that, that people can afford to pay uh, will enable them to be compliant. And, um, you know, the ability to monitor their usage and monitor their, uh, their conditions uh, so that they can improve the way that they're getting health care is, is all a part of that. And uh, those are the issues that uh, this company is trying to address, and I want, I want to see them succeed. Well, they're clearly doing something right. So let's uh, hear from Jake Friends of SmithRx. Uh, welcome to the Breaking Health Podcast. I'm here with Jake Friends at Smith RX, CEO and founder. Welcome to the podcast, Jake. Thank you, Steve. We're both in a good mood. I'm in a better mood today than maybe you, <laughs> and I'll tell you why, because I'm in Boston and it's sunny, and um, that doesn't happen that often. So <laughs> puts us all <laughs> on a happy path here. And you're, you're, you're complaining to me that the summer is cloudy in san francisco but that's what two months out of 12 and we we, we run on the opposite uh, perspective so <laughs> welcome thanks um we we'll talk a little bit about disrupting pharmacy benefits as part of the, the conversation which is going to be interesting because i i, I there's, there's a, you know back in the old days the med you know medcos of the world were disruptive in and of themselves but i want to understand you know um where, where you're coming from. Uh, I know a little bit about, about your background, but 
something caused you to land on healthcare, right? This isn't your first healthcare deal, healthcare experience. So yeah. let us know, just give us a sense of how you got here. You know, I wish it was more directed than, than it ended up being, but uh, I was in the Marine Corps for five years, and when I got out, I was looking for what I was going to do next and what industry, and I landed in healthcare. I had a, a good friend delivering uh, consumer-driven healthcare for Anthem, and uh, just joined at the foundational period of uh, how to look the healthcare plans, and that was that was the start. And uh, ended up uh, getting a very good understanding of the nuts and bolts of medical payer insurance companies, how they operated, delivering a new innovative healthcare product in, in most markets throughout the United States, and then went on to uh, help start Collective Health. Uh, I was on the initial team and built out the operations there, but. Uh, when I looked at the most complex area of healthcare plan delivery, the pharmacy benefits kept popping up, and uh, I couldn't peel back the layers. And so, just uh, through talking with actuaries and everyone I knew who was smart about healthcare, I realized the obfuscation in the space is just massive, and uh, the business models here are what I think are fairly misaligned. And I saw a massive opportunity to move forward and, and start something from from scratch. Yeah, it's horrible. It's horrible. I, I, you could get me going on PBMs, and you know, I would take over the whole forty-five minutes of, of yeah. your time. So I'm not going to do the talking on how I feel about them. I'll see where you end up, and if you end up in the same places as I think I've ended yeah. up in. But, um, but yeah, peel it back for us. I mean, what, 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 what you find worrisome? I think what I find worrisome is that no one can give you a clear explanation and end-to-end uh, -end picture of what a pharmacy benefit manager does. I think that's the first problem here, and I think people have been highly frustrated about PBMs for a long time. I don't think that uh, they, they played a, a effective middleman position to drive down drug costs. That's why we're in the position that we're in. And finally, I think especially over the last one to two years, we've seen just a, uh, a fever pitch of frustration and talk about you know, how these PBMs operate and how can we put a better, more efficient system in place, maybe with more regulation, but just how do we move forward more efficiently? And that's just, I think, occurred over the short term. So I think what got me interested about this space was just the massive complexity and the fact that you know, everyone I talked with, all those experts in the space said to build a PBM from scratch is just not possible. You can't do it. It's a big challenge. Yeah, it probably is a big challenge. I, 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 I kind of like take, I take a step back. I go, I, the first time I was introduced to a PBM was probably, I don't know, if I'm guessing 1994 or something like that. Mm -hmm. and, and, and it seemed pretty clear to me what a PBM was. It was just, it was a way of aggregating buying power to get lower prices. Yeah. Um, and, and we saw the drug companies sort of fight back on that by buying PBMs. There was a whole wave mm -hmm. of PBM purchases long time ago, you know, 20, 25 years ago. Um, has it changed that much? Is it, is it the same thing, you know, aggregate purchasing power and drive prices down? Is there, is there anything else going on that, that in the last 20 years that has been innovative in that industry? You know, how far down the rabbit hole do you want to go here? I think that... I, I have PBM 25, started. 30 minutes, so whatever you can do. <laughs> PBM you know, started with that uh, altruistic value proposition of aggregating volume to drive down price. Right, 100%. Sure. I think that, you know, when drugs, uh, drugs started rising in cost and there was a need for a more technology-forward companies to process those medical, or the pharmacy claims, then PBMs came to the forefront and used that volume to negotiate costs. 
But I think what's happened over the last few decades is that the PBMs have entrenched themselves in this ultimately powerful middleman position, and in doing so has taken you know, a much broader context and control than they ever started with. You know, now they own their own specialty and mail order entities, for example. Their rebates have become a massive part of how drug manufacturers move their products to market to gain market access. And the medical payer insurance companies then are also really intertwined and even own their PBMs today. And so across the board, you have this really complex ecosystem where PBMs are this linchpin, they're immovable. And so I think that uh, where they started with alignment to the business models, now they're not. Now I think there's quite a bit of misalignment that exists, especially with these Wall Street public traded companies that are just kind of at odds with caring for a patient. Right. I mean, and the big ones are even owned by drug retail distributors Distributors now, right? I mean, nobody <laughs> out there doesn't have CVS, um, Walmart at all in their, uh, in, their, in their retail drug network, right? So, yeah. Walgreens. Um, right. And that's, well, that's a whole different thing. Now you're using, now you've got a whole retail model tacked on top of drug mm-hmm. distribution, right? You're tacking a lot of components on top. Yeah. And and now, you know, with the recent merger with that, now you've got a health insurance plan in there. So as you sit there and look at this thing, so I would say, you know, what is the value prop in your mind of a PBM today as we know it, and what what should the value prop be? Uh, and, and I'm assuming that there was some element of the should that uh, mm-hmm. that got you excited about starting a company, right? Yeah. So I think the value prop for PBMs today, they're more focused on the uh, driving outcomes for the the shareholders in a lot of ways. I think that they've lost the value proposition down to the patient and client level, down to the employers that largely pay for healthcare. Um, But I think that the whole efficiency of all this is really lacking. And I think that it's been cobbled together for decades now, our US healthcare system and, and the pharmacy benefit component and I think there's a, a really big opportunity to be able to deconstruct that and build it from fresh from, from the start. And I think if you can take a modern approach and a modern technology platform that you build from the ground up, you start to attack the core components to create a foundation that you can think about how can we run this system more efficiently. Um, I think what you've seen in healthcare generally are you know, companies moving to market on the periphery that uh, at a marginal piece of value. But when you think about how they scale and how they can impact change, I think that's diminished. And so from a SmithRx standpoint, we went to market from day one, building our technology stack from the ground up, driving efficiency, driving a different business model so that we could really focus on that patient and client, the employer paying for the healthcare uh, in, a, in a way that's unique. I think you need to start with that alignment and that foundation for you to be able to deliver more innovative products to the market that that push the envelope. So, so are you thinking about the business from the from the from the standpoint of the consumer? Is that what you're doing? Or are you thinking about it from sure. the uh, employer? Where where do you start thinking about where you're supposed to deliver value? I think you need to think about it from both contexts. So the absolutely the employer that's paying. Uh, I think employers in the United States pay for 50% of the healthcare spend. I mean, they are a major participant in this model, and you need to figure out how to drive a more value-based proposition to them. And it starts with cost, 
containment, total cost of ownership in the future, but uh, the patient is intertwined through all of this, and they need to be. You need to keep asking the questions of why you're doing anything within a healthcare context because you need to be focused on a patient, their engagement, outcomes, and how do you just make people healthier? And uh, I think if you can take it from both contexts, maybe cost on one side, patient engagement outcomes, and, and uh, the quality of care on the other, you can get to much better outcomes that are based of, uh, you know, instead of, kind of just raising the, uh, the revenue models and profitability projections. Mm-hmm. So, so where, where does your business model stand today? How are you changing things? You know, so we, we start with a very simple pass-through model, and this is not a novel idea within terms of benefit management, um, but I think in the application it is. So we, we only charge a per-claim administrative fee. That's the only source of revenue that we take. We pass you 100% of rebates. We don't take uh, any kind of spread from the retail pharmacy, mail order, or specialty. We actually don't even own those assets, uh, which seems novel nowadays. But uh, I think that's where we can start to drive efficiency and use our access clients, the benefit designs, and how we deliver pharmacy benefits for patients that has a solid foundation so that we can think about how do we deliver care just much more efficiently. And that's going to give you a end-to-end model that you can drive uh, the engagement, the outcomes, and I think deliver a much more holistic value proposition. So when you um, when you start, so, so I mean, I looked on your website, my God, you've got some really cool investors, yeah. right? So... When you first uh, first met these guys, and um, looked like you raised somewhere around seventeen million, from what I could determine, is that about right, or is it mm-hmm. more than that? Yep, that's about right. Um, what What did you tell them that made them want to invest? I think that uh, you know, there's no other health tech companies in pharmacy benefits now. There's a few coming to market, uh, but back four years ago, uh, this was new, and uh, I think it was a Pharmacy benefit drug costs are top of mind, and uh, there was no one trying to attack it. And I think it's because of the complexity, because the expert consultants and people in the space say building a new model from the ground up is not possible. Uh, but that's where these investors uh, tranche out. That's what they want to focus on. They want to focus on big problems that have a, a huge impact. And uh, I think with the Smith storyline of you know, starting from the ground up, my background in Anthem, Collective Health, there, there's a pathway forward there that, you know, with a meaningful foundation, you really have a great opportunity to, to figure out how to remake this industry. And I, I strongly believe you need to figure out how to meet the market worth that first, respect the history and, and how it came to be, to figure out a better path forward. And, and they, they saw that in the story. Mm-hmm. So when did you um, when did you go to market with your with your when did you start bringing in customers? Uh, it was uh, January 2017. Okay. You know, we, we work with. Yeah, self-insured companies, and uh, the first one came on at that point. And why do you think why do you think they bought? Um, did you did they think they were going to save money working with you? Did they think that their employees were going to have a better experience working with you? Um, were they just fed up with the service that we're getting from their existing uh, PBM? What what do you what do you think caused them to switch? Because I'm assuming they were using someone else uh, yeah. before you got hired. I think they were highly frustrated with the current service model, and cost was absolutely a part of that. Um, I don't think that you can ignore cost and, and just tell a story about the patient value proposition because cost is at the forefront of their minds. They're really 
the, the decision makers are educated that cost is one of the only important value propositions. And, we'll, and so you have to respect that. And we've moved the market with a cost-saving value proposition, but one that was more holistic. So I think they bought on to, to all of that, and I think that that was uh, where then we could provide these execution proof points, that this is viable, there's a pathway forward here. That's where we started to gain momentum. And I talk a lot about irrepeatable proof points that we can deliver in the market. Um, that's what we tried to do to, to win people's trust and get them to take a chance on Smith. Is, is, is the amount, is the cost that they're saving the fact that you're not taking part of the rebate? Or is the, where, where does the cost savings come from them? From that standpoint, it comes from yeah, it comes from multiple different aspects of the uh, drug supply chain ecosystem. Some of it's from not taking rebates. That's a big component. Uh, I'd say the majority of it, though, is from the retail pharmacy side of taking spread, uh, especially from the generics. And I'm not saying that these techniques that the CBMs make to, or take today are necessarily uh, bad or nefarious. I mean, that's how their business models are aligned. That's how they make make their money. And that that. But I think that it's become it's an outsized component where they're able to, with, with these different mechanisms, take just an outsized amount of margin out of the channel. And we don't. We don't participate in that. We're more aligned from a, a technology SaaS company standpoint where we're, we're taking that SaaS fee, the cost plus model. Mm -hmm. So I'm just trying to think of anybody else that's doing cost. The only one that I can think of, well, I mean, there's some startups, but, but Prime Therapeutics comes to mind a little bit, uh, the Blues Network where they're, yep. I think they're passing through all of the costs. Is that true? Is that true? They are. Yeah, as far as I've, I've understood and I've talked to senior leadership there in the past, they, they are a cost-plus pass-through model. Mm -hmm. And, it, and that, that, <clears throat> that when I say that this is not a really novel business model and approach, you know, we have other examples out there of, of successful PBMs that have grown like Prime and delivered a, a value-driven product. But I think where Prime shortcomings are are within the technology stack. They're still tied to really antiquated technology mm -hmm. that's just much more inefficient than what you can generate today on a modern tech stack. Gotcha. So let's go through that then. So how does the tech stack drive efficiencies for you? Yeah, so we uh, we set out to build this from the ground up. Uh, our VP of engineering came from Zynga, a gaming company. I think that there's a significant amount of overlap between the gaming industry and healthcare, building highly scalable, reliable platforms. And the gaming industry just builds a better mousetrap. And, and we, we do the same thing here. And so we set out to create a distributed architecture where we have con complete control of that data end to end. And I think when uh, some from the outside of the healthcare space uh, look at complexities in the ecosystem, think about uh, this doesn't seem so difficult. It, it, any one component is not difficult, though. I think it's all together working in concert where you can plug in and meet the market where it's at that you really have the opportunity then to be able to drive efficiencies across. And that's what we, we set out to do with the holistic platform. So are you, um, okay, so you're taking basically some of the modern, you know, scalability stuff. Is it the gaming industry? And you know, I mean, when you say that, I'm assuming you're talking about the ability to for multiple players to play games simultaneously on the Internet as being where you're, where you're thinking about this in terms of large-scale transactions or large-scale traffic, if you will, and being able to keep track of the data as it runs through? Is that, is that, the, is that, the, is that the approach you're thinking through? Yeah. I mean, large-scale transactions, user base, uh, the efficiencies there that you have to drive from a gaming platform standpoint, uh, you need to have total reliability. 
And it's the same thing from a transactional standpoint in pharmacy benefits or, or broadly healthcare, where you need an absolutely reliable platform that scales every single time. You can't fail here. No one, no one will, will accept risk or failure or even the chance of uh, from a healthcare, health tech startup standpoint. So that, uh, that redundancy and that precision is, is what we put into it. So when I think about how a pharmacy transaction works, right, it usually starts, at least, unless it's a renewal, right? If it's a new script, it usually starts at the physician's office, right? Mm-hmm. Um, it does. And, and then it normally lands at the retail pharmacy where somebody goes and picks up a script. <laughs> yeah. Correct? Yeah, it is. I'm, I'm, I'm doing a value right. stream in my head right now. Um, and then I go and I pick up my script and I consume it. And if it's you know a, a one-time dose of antibiotics, I'm done. If it's a cholesterol medication that I'll be on, you know, theoretically for the rest of my life or until I lose weight or whatever, um, then I've got to go through a renewal process. My experience with renewals is I go to whatever the pharmacy website and I get a renewal. If all goes well, the doctor sends in a renewal. I get a re- I get a notification. You know, come pick up your your new prescription. And I guess some people are renewing on a known frequency level. They can get into a mail order type of gig um, where I guess the doctor's got to reconfirm the prescription every six months or so. Is that a good sense in your mind about the way the pharmacy workflow is operating today? It does, but each one of those pieces is highly disconnected, right? From the prescriber, the clinician, down to the the pharmacy benefit manager, or the, the pharmacy to the PBM. All of that uh, is on different technology stacks, and it's hard to connect all those disparate pieces of data together. And you know, how we thought, started to think about driving efficiency in this way is uh, we connect directly with the retail pharmacies, our own network that's on our paper, and uh, we process those claims real time, so we're connected with that retail pharmacy. Prescribers send a script across, we look at it, and we approve it, And uh, but oftentimes the pharmacist is entering the data incorrectly, or there's another drug that uh, should be offered, the patient may be polypharma, uh, and there's just better options. We can look at that data, and if we deny the claim or think there's another option, we can call the pharmacy back immediately. And all last year, our call center that we run in-house actually made more outbound calls than we took inbound, because we were solving these issues at the retail pharmacy at the point of service. And that you know, really increases adherence, increases that the patient consumer experience and uh, the patients walking out with the right script uh, often. And that, that kind of engagement and interaction uh, is not available with the current PBM model today. So how does the current PBM model handle that? So they, they usually let those scripts remain dormant. So if they receive a ping from a retail pharmacy and uh, they deny the claim for any number of uh, details, whether the drug is off formulary or uh, there is a mistake made from an input standpoint for the patient's social security number, date of birth, uh, they just let that sit. And the patient can either choose at that point to pay cash out of pocket and uh, then submit a paper claim, which is this really involved, frustrating process, or they walk out without their script. And then you have an adherence issue. Uh, either way, you're not leading to a good outcome. Mm-hmm. So you're you're saying what you would do is have what sounds to me very much like a clinical intervention 
mm-hmm. which would say, okay, the uh, the drug that's been prescribed to you is not on formulary mm-hmm. or not not part of your insurance, but this is. And how how does that get reconciled? Does that have to get reconciled back to the prescribing position? Or is that something that a pharmacy is entitled to sort of swap out without that? Sometimes they can swap out. Sometimes it's entitled to go back to that, that prescriber. And in the case of a prior authorization, that's a good example where we dig into that immediately to pull that, that prior, prior authorization through from, from the clinician. Uh, I think there's multiple different engagement points here that with technology and with the platform and access to real-time data, you can start to move the needle from, from a patient you know, outcome perspective. Mm-hmm. And so the argument is that, that your, your approach would be better, faster, cheaper, right, for the most part? Yeah, absolutely. It takes far fewer people to run Smith or X than it does an incumbent. Cool. So, yeah. um, so how, how's the business doing? How, how are you growing? Um, any details? Um, obviously, you're, you're entitled to your corporate secrets. I won't, won't ask about those. But um, <laughs> how are you doing with your customers? Um, how would people be able to... Um, evaluate your product? Um, do you have like a blog? Tell us, tell us about how the business is going. Yeah, we've scaled uh, rapidly over the last three years. You know, we, we now have 241 clients. We work with 22 third-party administrators that we're fully integrated with a few of the larger medical payer insurance companies as well. And, and I think it's a, a reflection of just the, the rising focus on the drug spend and people's frustration levels. And that gives us the mind share to be able to get in front of the right decision makers and present these alternative pathways forward. And I think that we've hit this market at the right time. Uh, I often say, had we started Smith two years prior to when we did, I think we would have failed. Mm-hmm. I don't think that the market was ready yet for, for change. And a change in healthcare is just super difficult no matter how you approach it, but you need that timing piece uh, to be there. And that's where we see you know, the, the, the media, Washington, D.C., the Senate Finance Committee, everyone is talking around the rising drug, drug costs and what, uh, what we can do about it. And Smith, we believe, is that, that uh, solution. And that helps us on the fundraising side, on the pathway forward to get the level of support that we need. Um, and so I think you know, Smith in the marketplace today is, is strong, and, and I, I like the fact that other VCs and there's other health tech companies coming into market, which uh, I think will uh, just help add to this momentum. It's a sea change shift that's going to occur, I believe, and uh, uh, we need more smart people who are, who are trying to solve it. Very good. Very good. Well, it was good to yeah. talk to you. Love, love finding out about the new company. Um, certainly, I understand how, how you're going to get efficiencies out of the new tech stacks. They're, they're, they're quite scalable. Um, so if, if, our, uh, if our listeners want to learn more about what you do, you, are you tweeting? Are you on LinkedIn, Facebook? Where, where can they find out about the company? Yeah, our uh, corporate website, uh, smithrx.com, is a good place to start. Uh, we've just become a lot more active in, in that social media space. Our voices come to the forefront, so you'll, you'll look for us there as well. Terrific. Thanks for joining me. Great. Thanks so much, Steve. Really appreciate it. Well, that's a wrap. Thanks so much for joining us on this episode of the Breaking Health Podcast. Thanks to our terrific host, Steve Krupa, the CEO of Health Edge. And of course, I hope you'll join us at the Digital Healthcare Innovation Summit. It's happening on December 10th in Boston. Go to dhis.net for more information and, of course, to register. Mm-hmm.